You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up? What's happening? Craig Hoffman with you for overtime tonight here on The Fan. Simulcast on the Team 980 as well. There until 7 we are until 7.30 on the fan where we lead you into pregame coverage of Rams and Cardinals. Of course, Rams and Cardinals tonight wrapping up. What are they calling it? The like super wild card weekend? Mega wild card weekend? Yeah. The wild card weekend wraparound? What, what are they calling it? I don't know. I don't know why they don't just call it the wild card weekend like they have like, you know, every other year, but... They put a super in front of it, and I guess it just makes yeah. it super well, better. Because cause there's one extra day. We've never had this before because there's never been 17 oh. games. There's never been seven seeds in each side. So they, there's two extra games. And so typically it's two on Saturday, two on Sunday, I think used to be how it went. And then, yeah, because there, there'd be two games per conference. Uh, and then the winners obviously get the two seeds that had the bye. Well, now there's there's an extra game. And so you got or two extra games because there's one extra seed, one less buy. And so they had to figure out how to get it in. And instead of doing three on Saturday and three on Sunday, which I, I admit, I, I think that would be terrible. Like, don't do that. I actually like the wraparound. Let's do two on Saturday. Sunday gets a little bit long, but we're used to watching one, four, and, you know, a night game on Sunday. And then in terms of times, and then, then you get Monday Night Football. Um, although I will say, uh, I... I did find it uh, particularly egregious. Um, now, would it, did it really ultimately matter? No. But why did they have to play the Buffalo game at night? Like, why are we obsessed with, oh, it's tough football, eight degrees, the fans probably at risk of hypothermia. It's like, why would we do that? Why can't you just play it on Sunday at 1 o'clock and have it be, um, you know, have it have it be when it's 30 degrees? It's still very cold. Um, and we know in, in Buffalo, it could be 8 degrees at 1 o'clock. But in, in mid-January, it's going to be 8 degrees at 8 o'clock. Um, didn't really do the Patriots much good. Much good. How how bad, had, did, like, if you are a New England, let, forget even player. Like, if you're the assistant trainer or the some some not even coach, like, you're you're one of the quality control guys. Important job. You spent all week cutting up clip after clip, trying to find anything to make yourself valuable. Uh, all these coaches above you are, are interviewing for other jobs. You're hoping you might get a, a full-time, even assistant position coach next year. And you go out there, you got no control over nothing during the game, and, and you just you just got to stand there while it's 8 degrees and your team's getting whipped by 30. That's That sucks. That sucks for those guys. That's not where I anticipated starting the show. I honestly don't really know, Ryan, what we're going to do with this show because we got a lot of football to talk about. The Wizards all of a sudden 
looked really good this afternoon. I kind of want to dive into that a little bit. In fact, I might actually start there and then we'll do some football. And then I want to close with uh, a thought on the holiday um, because I was thinking like, okay, what's the MLK adjacent sports segment? And I actually think it's staring us all right in the face. So we'll do that before we go uh, at the end of the show. But uh, hey, the Zardos turns out if they have all their dudes... Maybe a pretty good basketball team. Obviously, they hit a real nadir in the middle of the year um, where they had a bunch of injuries, a bunch of COVID stuff. They couldn't defend to save their lives. They lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven out of eight. And yeah, it was bad. And then they had that. Bless you. It's fun, Ryan, when you can't get to the talk button or the cough button fast enough, and then you sneeze. Plus, there's no sneeze button. So there's just everyone just got the behind the scenes of that one. Anyway, the point is the Wizards were bad. And they had that game, uh, I think it was late November against the Jazz, where they, you know, like, okay, they won at Utah, who at the time was, I think, the number one seed in the West. The Brooklyn game that got postponed, maybe this was early December. And then from there, they kind of started to up and down a little bit. And then lo and behold, they have won four out of five. And have looked fantastic in a couple of these games. Now, like the first one against the Magic, uh, they they had to sweat it out at the end. But it doesn't get a lot better than you you saw today, where they have balance and they got like their depth was on full full display. And it wasn't like it was a super wounded uh, Sixers team either. Like Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris and Maxi and Curry, like all the dudes played. Embiid, in fact, had 32. Harris was terrible. He's been killing the Wizards so far this year, but they haven't had Rui Hachimura, who was awesome in this game. Just constantly catch and shoot at the free throw line. Uh, the Sixers tried some zone late to get back into it, and Hachimura just tore it apart. Um, you know, 11 points, five boards in 16 minutes, but it also some really good defense on, on Tobias Harris. Kyle Kuzma is playing out of his mind Recently, another monster rebounding game, 15 points, 16 rebounds for Kuzma. And on a night where Bradley Beal is a pedestrian, you know, 5 of 12 for 13 points, they put up a buck 17 and beat one of the best teams in the East by a bunch. Thomas Bryant completely unlocks their offense. They have the pick and roll option, obviously, of Gafford as well. But then as long as he's not picking up silly technicals or getting into fights or whatever else Montrez Harold does what seems once a week. Uh, he's great. Like 18.7 boards for him today. And it just looks like a team that has after a lot of up and down and in and out of the lineup, one has all its talent and obviously talent matters a lot, but they also have found their roles, which is pretty neat because Earlier in the year, it's like, all right, who's going to be the, the the third scorer? Well, they still, you know, they've got some guys now that on any given night, sometimes it's KCP who had 14 this afternoon uh, on, you know, not great shooting, but like he knows his job, get out there, shoot, play some good defense. He's a plus 20, even though he's only six to 15 from the field. He actually led the team in shots, which is pretty wild. Uh, sometimes you're open for a reason, but you know, hey, he played effective enough that, that he was uh, tied with the Beal for a team best plus minus. You know, Kuzma clearly is a guy that, that they're running some offense for, but he's also way more involved in every other aspect of the game. And that's that's exactly what they need out of him. He realizes that when he plays 
hard defensively, got three blocks today. When he rebounds and is active, then the scoring is going to come because the energy of the game, it's, it's going to find him. He's going to get some opportunities. Guys are going to be looking for him. And he can put up 15 to 20 points a night. And, and on some nights, if a guy like Beal is out, skyrocket on the scoring, and, and he can get you 25. Dinwiddie probably needs to pick up the scoring more, but like seven assists and just two turnovers, like that's a good night from him. Kispert's started to play a bunch of minutes, it, you know, consistently hitting some threes now. So they just have a bunch of dudes who have a wide variety of skills. You know, Raul Neto comes in and, and is effective. Like, you have all these different guys that can play a bunch of different ways. They're fine in the half court. They're good in transition. Defensively, they've got enough guys out on the wing to, to play well. They still have trouble with, with bigs, you know, dominant bigs inside like Embiid. But unless you have someone like Embiid who can dominate a game and some other guys around that are going to hit shots, the, the Wizards are going to be a pain in the butt to play in the playoffs. Now, I'm not telling you that like I'm picking them against a Brooklyn, a Milwaukee, or even a Philadelphia, despite what they did today. But it is pretty cool to see this team come together. Today was a lot of fun. And uh, I sincerely hope that they continue to play this well because I enjoy good basketball. And uh, they're playing good basketball right now. Coming up uh, the rest of the week for them, Wednesday, they're, they've got Brooklyn at home. And, of course, Brooklyn now without Kevin Durant. You might have missed that yesterday uh, or over the weekend amidst all the football. Uh, Kevin Durant sprained his knees out for four to six weeks. Uh, so no no Durant. Uh, and I think no Kyrie because all the D.C. Uh, vaccine stuff went into play. So he shouldn't be able to play as far as I know. Um, I got to double check that. But So if Kyrie's playing tomorrow, sorry, I was wrong. Uh, but... Kyrie uh, may or may not be playing for Brooklyn tomorrow. So James Harden and company coming to town on Wednesday. Uh, on Wednesday, not tomorrow. And then Friday, Toronto's in town. Sunday, Boston. So you got some good Eastern Conference teams to, to prove your mettle with this group now healthy. And by the way, they did it today without not just their head coach, but their and not just the guy who was replacing Wes Unsell Jr., their third string head coach. So that was a fun little uh, fun little thing for today as well. All right. Uh, when we get back, let's talk some football. Uh, we'll take a look uh, at the game tonight, Rams, Cardinals, sorry, yeah, Rams, Cardinals, and then take a look back at some of the games over the weekend as well. Of course, we'll eagle eye in on Dallas as well as they, uh, well, let's just say it wasn't a great weekend for the NFC East, and maybe that makes us reevaluate some things with Washington as well in terms of how close the team here in town is to being good. If they're that far away from what we saw from Dallas yesterday. Uh, we discuss that next. Craig Hoffman with you here on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. Craig Hoffman in for overtime tonight. Again, the Wizards get the win earlier. For the Washington football team, season's, season's been over. Uh, the biggest questions now are, will there any be any staff changes coming? Uh, those, those, I feel like, should be coming soon. Like, how long does it take to go, hey, we could probably do a little better along the D-line? Maybe they wait till after the Super Bowl or something. I don't know, but it feels like that should be that should be coming any day now. Um, as some of the positional stuff and, and also, you know, other staffs are going to get let go, right? If, if a guy becomes available 
from Buffalo when you know if they ultimately lose or I don't know maybe they'll maybe they'll win the Super Bowl considering how they played yesterday uh, or Saturday. Um, you know, does Rivera go after someone from there uh, and, and want to wait? Um, so there, there's all this this coach movement that's going to happen. Then, of course, uh, I, I would imagine the week before the Super Bowl, that bye week, like traditionally the last couple of years, some stuff has leaked out that week or like deals have been done that week, Super Bowl week um, or the bye week. Um, of course, the first big one that really kind of happened like that was Alex Smith um, a couple of years ago. I just remember sitting at home at like 10 o'clock at night on Super Bowl Tuesday being like, wait, I got to work? This sucks. Why couldn't y'all do this at a more convenient time? Uh, but that was Bruce Allen doing things his own way. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they, uh, they they got big decisions to make. And I, I think that in evaluating Washington, and I actually haven't been on since the end of the season, but I appreciate that in a way because I can combine the, hey, I haven't been on. Here's what I think now that the season's over with the added perspective of, oh, my God, the team that beat Washington, what seemed like 100 and nothing combined score uh, twice in the last month of the season, just got knocked out of the playoffs by Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, cool. Cool. Right. Cool. I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, look, even Philly yesterday, they got punked by Tampa. They scored a couple touchdowns late. Like Dallas Goddard's really good. Whatever. That game was over. And it was over while Tampa was missing a bunch of dudes. Like Tampa is not the Super Bowl champion Tampa level in terms of their talent right now. They're hoping to get some of those guys back, but like Fournette wasn't playing. Um, they're obviously banged up at receiver um, because Antonio Brown removed himself from the league. And also Godwin tore his ACL. Uh, I believe that was torn ACL. Godwin's out though. Like there, there's just a bunch of talent deficiency there based off of like the Tampa that got the three seed. And still Philly didn't have a chance. And then you got Dallas, and I realized like COVID and injuries and everything had had a role to play towards the end of the season with Washington, of course, but like they weren't remotely competitive with Dallas or Philly. And then you see those two teams lose, and I think maybe at some point the narrative changed towards the end of the year. Where it's like I don't know, man. Dallas looks pretty good. Like Philly. They got some stuff figured out. Like, they're a good team. There's some talent there. And it's like, no, 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 no. We just started comparing all the NFC East teams to each other, and none of them are none, none of them are that good. The funny thing about Dallas, though, before I get back to what that means for Washington, is I actually do think Dallas is really good. I think Mike McCarthy's a really bad coach. And, like, I've thought this for a long time, and I'm certainly not alone in this. There's clearly some stuff he does really well because he's won a lot. But I think part of what he's done really well in his career is place himself in the right place at the right time. Like, I'm not telling you, like, I know more than Mike McCarthy, right? Like, he's not a total buffoon, but he's not good. Look at what Rodgers has done since he's left. Like, Mike McCarthy had Aaron Rodgers, who, from a skill position or skill standpoint, 
until Patrick Mahomes emerged from whatever planet he came from, was the most skilled guy to ever do it. Rodgers had the highest level of play I think has ever existed at the position for a long time. Like, yeah, Brady's incredible. Um, The consistency with which he plays is unmatched, which is why he's got more Super Bowl titles than everybody else. Like, Peyton Manning had the control and everything. And go on back through, you know, your Joe Montana's, your Steve Young's, you know, all these different guys that did really exceptional things. Rodgers had all of it. And then some, like, creative Aaron Rodgers-only features that Mahomes does better. And during that time, they won one Super Bowl in Green Bay. I think Dallas's roster is really good. Like their offensive line's fantastic. Although uh, they're they're one piece short there. Connor Williams had a bad day yesterday at right guard. Um, but that's what happens in the playoffs. Like you have a weakness, it's going to get exposed. And the 49ers have some some dudes along the D line. Defensively, they've got studs all over the place. Dan Quinn's obviously a terrific coordinator. The reason he's been a head coach previously. And yet, they're just over 500 the last two years. Now, granted, last year, Dak has the injury. So, like, I'm not going to hold that record-wise against him. But, you know, they, they don't win a playoff game when they've got clearly superior talent. Like, the San Fran's solid. But, like, that's a well-coached team. If Jimmy G, and I was thinking about this too, because, you know, if, if San Fran loses yesterday and even if they lose next weekend and probably when they lose next weekend, like Garoppolo is ultimately going to become a free agent, you would think like, or become available. They drafted Trey Lance in the top five last year. And it's the kind of thing that like Kyle Shanahan is exceptional at what he does. So if you're another team, of course you want to have faith in your coordinator. But like if I'm Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney and Garoppolo becomes available, do I have faith that Scott Turner can reproduce playoff level production out of Jimmy G? Hell no. And I don't even think Turner sucks like a lot of y'all do. Like Turner's fine, but he's not going to elevate someone at Jimmy G's level. To playoff caliber. You're going to have a lot of super mediocre quarterback play. Now, is Garoppolo an upgrade over what they have? Yeah. But does he ultimately get you in the same mediocrity rut that you're already in? Yeah. So I would not put Jimmy G on my radar. But when you're trying to evaluate where you are as, as a Washington football team, and you look around and you're like, man, all right, we got we to gotta beat the division. On one hand, you're going, maybe that's not as tall of a task as we thought, which is nice. But it, you're, I think you're also looking yourself in the mirror going like, we got mollywopped. Granted, one of the games was with Garrett Gilbert. But we got mollywopped by Philly and Dallas. And they should have not been competitive in their playoff games. Dallas took advantage of a pretty ridiculous series of events to even be competitive late in that game. Like, they got beat yesterday. I know that Dak, you know, ah, oh, Dak, the kneel down, the the or the spike, the referee, like they got beat. If Trent Williams gets set, or Jimmy G waits another half second to let Trent Williams set, and the QB sneak, game over. That never even happens. So I think Washington's in a, they're in a precarious place. Uh, you might say it's a turning point 
And in that way, the analysis hasn't really changed. Craig Hoffman with you on overtime. More on the teams that are still playing next. Craig Hoffman with you for overtime tonight on 106.7 The Fan. All right, this segment is brought to you by Tvar Solutions. And they are very smart people, Ryan Clary. Uh, Ryan Clary in the production chair tonight. Um, and I, you know, I try to be a professional and read the ads beforehand um, to make sure that I, I know everything and like I don't sound like a complete boob while I'm reading the live reads, right? Uh, but I, I actually am familiar with T-Bar Solutions. Uh, they used to sponsor my segments when I was on the beat. And I was like, man, those people sound really smart. And I'm just going to be honest with the audience. I probably shouldn't do this. I'm probably being over honest. I'm, I'm having an overshare moment right now. However, I'm going to read this. And I, would, I hope that the people that know what all this means take it in and be like, that's the solution I need. Because I, a Donk Sports Talk radio host and personal trainer, am not... Uh, familiar with the stylings of technology solutions. So we're going to give this a go, and we'll check the box that we read it, and I sincerely hope that the intended audience takes it, internalizes it, and goes to the website that I'm going to give you so that they get their money's worth. Because this segment is brought to you by TVR Solutions. You can create a private AWS region outside of the public cloud without any code modification or refactoring with the AppScale open source API paired with Delta Flex on demand as a service offering. Learn more at tvarsolutions.com slash repatriate. That's tvarsolutions.com slash repatriate. So if that meant something to you, do it. How much trouble am I going to be in, Ryan? Ah, you're not going to be in any trouble. That That's okay. a great endorsement right there. I just didn't want to feel like I was full of you-know-what. Hey, I mean, I'm going to have to check out T-Bar now. There you go. If you're in need for some technology <laughs> solutions, creating an AWS region outside the cloud, there you go. Um, this is a, a department more up my alley. I thought this quote was, uh, was interesting. Uh, it just crossed my feed from Ben Standig, who had Jay Gruden on his pod today as the Rams and Cardinals are getting ready to go here to round out Super Wild Card Weekend. Uh, and Sean McVay, of course, uh, was here in Washington with Jay Gruden and before that with Mike Shanahan, which is why, and of course his friendship with Kyle, why Sean often gets put on the Mike Shanahan coaching tree. And so Jay was asked by Ben, hey, uh, as Jay Gruden was on Ben's podcast today, like, does that bother you? Quote, Sean's from my tree. Anybody that says anything different is lying. He was a secretary for my brother for a year. I hired him in the UFL, and then Mike Shanahan had him for one year in Washington as a tight ends coach. The only reason he upgraded him from offensive assistant to tight ends coach was because when I was in Cincinnati, I tried to hire Sean as a receiver coach. They wouldn't let him go, and then they upgraded him to tight end coach, so I couldn't take him. So then I had him in Washington after Shanahan's ouster, and I got abused for hiring the youngest offensive coordinator in the NFL. So yeah, he's my tree. That's great. <laughs> That's actually really It's also accurate. Yeah. 
Totally is. Like, I know people people love to dump on Gray, uh, Gray, Jay from time to time in here, but like, at least he developed Sean McVay, who's a boy wonder right now in the NFL. The thing is, like, from an X's and O's schematic standpoint, like, Jay Gruden is five out of five stars. Like, when it comes to designing offense, that dude's as good as it gets in the league. The problem for Jay was not to rehash Jay Gruden's head coaching or his potential to become an offensive coordinator down the road. Like, the problem for Jay is the other stuff. Like, it's the people skills and the ability to be responsible for an organization that clearly, like, not, not up to par on, say, even Sean's level, right? Like, Sean is actually great at that stuff. Sean's relationships mm-hmm. with players is fantastic. Sean is highly organized. Like, did you ever come across that Jay was highly organized? No. <laughs> like, those two were friends. Like, they they clearly, you know, like, there's a lot of similarities. Like, they love to joke. Like, Sean's not some uptight dude. Like, he's super... Um, you know he he's a, he's a fun dude. If you listen, um, actually last off season he did a podcast uh, through the Ringer with Peter Schrager. That was really good because you got to see, I think, how much fun a lot of these these NFL guys are. I think John Gruden showed us that sometimes they're uh, a little too loose uh, and and have some views that are not super uh, in line with I don't know reality of the real world and the decency in, uh, of all people. But and and I'm not implying anything on that. I don't have any real thoughts on that or know Jay well enough to have know if he was in line with his brother on that stuff. You can make your inferences. Uh, certainly the same for Sean. I, I think Sean comes from a different generation and, and that's probably influences how he sees the world at large um, as much as he sees anything around, about outside of football. But like point is like, he's not some buttoned up, like no fun, nothing, even Belichick, like the Randy Moss Halloween party is, is a great story, um, where Belichick like shows up at that Halloween party and the pictures leak out. And it's like, Oh, this guy does know how to have fun. Um, it's just, you know, when they're around football, they, they're a little more buttoned up. And obviously that's a, that's a, uh, I don't want to say a tactic, but a, a personality trait that can lead to success as an NFL head coach where, you know, if you're a position coach or, uh, whether it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, whatever, um, or even an even a coordinator, you can get away with being a little more loosey goosey, a little less in control because you have someone over you to um, to take care of that stuff. So anyway, the point is, McVeigh comes from the Gruden coaching tree. Those two families actually go way back, like to the the eighties, um, where I think John and Jay's dad worked under Sean's grandpa, if I have that correctly, um, with the 49ers back in the day. But tonight, uh, you'll see McVeigh on the sidelines. Uh, and in the next round, uh, he'll be there with Kyle Shanahan and zero Grudens. Uh, speaking of the Grudens, uh, John's old job, uh, he was the one who decided to bring in Mike Mayock when nobody else really wanted to be the GM because they knew that John was going to have all the personnel control. And so the Raiders have... Uh, have let go of, of Mike Mayock. Obviously, Gruden went for completely non-football reasons. But it's truly one of the wildest tenures. Um, and, I, I mean, I've met Mike once or twice um, over the years in, at NFL events and stuff. Always super nice guy. Uh, seemed to be a wonderful human, beloved by all of his colleagues that I knew at NFL Network. But 
like they just had some weird picks and also some unlucky stuff. Like Henry Ruggs was on his way to being a terrific player and he drives 156 miles an hour hammered and gets in a car crash that kills someone. And well, there goes that first round pick and obviously much more severe consequences away from football. Their other first round pick this year publishes bizarre video brandishing a gun and they have to let him go like some of that stuff do you know like okay we're taking some kind of character risk or we need to provide support uh for a certain player and is there potential to that that you know went awry in, within the organization sure but um i have no idea if anyone's gonna ever hire mayock again but if he winds up back on tv like that's fine with me i'll, I'll be ha i'll happily watch mike mayock and listen to what he's got to say about about players come draft time every year but mike mayock fired today or relieved of his duties out in las vegas which also by the way is is i think an interesting opening when you know, when they made that move to hire gruden and mayock a couple years ago they did it while they were still in oakland and unlike most nfl owners who are truly you know multi-billionaire flush with cash multiple income stream kind of owners like mark davis it was not that guy and i say was because the franchise valuation and the money that's now flowing through the organization since moving from oakland to vegas completely changes the resources available to whoever wants to come in that goes from one of the least outside of like the history right between facilities which were trash for them out in oakland um, and you know, resources available in terms of money, all that kind of stuff that went from one of the least, um, one of the least, I would say inspiring, one of the least desirable, that's probably the word I'm looking for jobs in the, in the NFL from either a GM or a head coach to now where you have either a good quarterback in Derek Carr or whatever you're going to get in return for Derek Carr. Um, you do have a, a dearth of talent on some level because of all those first round picks, all those really top 100 picks that have been squandered the last three years, but you still have a, a lot of potential to, to continue building off of what was a playoff team, uh, just this year. So it's going to be really fascinating. And also which gets done first, do they hire a head coach first and let that person uh, pick their GM again, or do they pick a GM and let that person hire a coach, or is it the same person and it's going to be Jim Harbaugh? Because apparently that is, uh, you know, I heard Grant saying this uh, at the end of their show uh, that that Florio's been all over this that there there's a few jobs that Jim Harbaugh might leave Michigan for, and the Raiders' job is apparently one of them, which would be pretty fascinating. Uh, and I think you know what he could do with a guy as good as Carr is is also really interesting as well. So. When we get back, uh, maybe a couple more football thoughts, but I want to close out the show here on uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Day with some thoughts on, um, you know, like what is the intersection of truly what Dr. King stood for and the people that he supported and the movements that he did and continues to inspire and a lot of the activism that we see in athletics and the people in athletics who he would be supporting if he was still alive today at 93 because yeah he he would only be 93 um which is amazing that you know it seems like such because the way information is presented about the civil rights movement often in black and white feels so long ago but 
very well could be alive if he wasn't assassinated at the age of 39. So the intersection of, of MLK and sports, uh, we'll dive into that. And, and I'll, before we get into that, uh, or maybe after, we'll, we'll have a nice pause in between, an appropriate time to, to, to move. Uh, some th- so prediction for tonight, Rams and Cardinals. That's next. Greg Hoffman with you here wrapping up overtime. Often with you here on 106.7 The Fan. Uh, we got a couple more minutes left. And I wanted to close the show um, as we get ready for Rams-Cardinals. That has nothing to do with what I want to close the show with. I'll just I'll say this. Uh, Rams-Cardinals tonight, um, I think the Rams are a better football team. I think they have better matchups in this game. Now, Kyler Murray is a massive wild card. Uh, if he goes nuts tonight and is just locked in, then then all bets are off. But uh, I, I think the Rams are just a better team. And without Hopkins, uh, without DeAndre Hopkins over the last month of the season, the Cardinals have not been the same team. Obviously, Cliff Kingsbury, both at the college and pro level, has a long history of December collapses and late season collapses that that kind of once you figure out what he's doing, um, you know, he, he can't make the adjustments. Um, but we'll see. Uh, this is the third time these teams will have played, obviously, division opponents. But I'll take the Rams tonight uh, for the win. I don't know what the line is, so I can't give you a pick based off of that, which in 2022 seems like a bad thing for a radio host to do because gambling's everywhere. You probably know the line. I'll say the Rams are going to win by a touchdown. Go find a line. If you want to bet on that, uh, I can't be held responsible for your choices. Okay. Uh, I wanted to close the show on, on this holiday by examining the intersection of MLK and sports. And in order to do this, it's important to appropriately define who Martin Luther King Jr. was and what he stood for, which is not the whitewashed, very simple, I want everyone to be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Uh, And that's the only quote that anyone has ever seen. And it also completely... Um, I would say blows by the first part of that, but or many people just in, in bad faith or laziness or comfort, whatever your reason or whatever their reason, I should say, um, blow past the first part of it to get to the second that they, they take out of that quote that judging someone by the color of their skin is bad. And that's what Martin Luther King is about. And that's just not true. Um, that even blows by the first part of that famous quote from the I Have a Dream speech, his most notable speech, but certainly not his other, or certainly not uh, the one that, that most defines him, certainly not the complete picture of him. But when we talk about judging people on the content of their character, like, that means if you're a racist, then Martin Luther King probably wouldn't have liked you. And that doesn't mean that, you know, that's not judging on on the color of your skin. That's judging you on the content of your character. And... I think when you talk about athletics, it actually is a really 
um, impactful, a really great, a really illustrative uh, picture of the kinds of things that Martin Luther King talked about in the 1950s and 60s that still are true today, that I think all too often in America, we're extremely comfortable with people in the roles that they take in our lives on our terms, and we refuse to see the entirety of them as a human being. And that specifically is true for a lot of folks of black athletes, that when they're out there in the jersey entertaining in the way that we want to be entertained, we're happy to support them and cheer them on because they are merely objects for our entertainment. And the minute they speak up and give a political stance that we don't agree with, and by the way, this cuts both ways. Like I've, I, my view, I, and I'll take it even like me, white guy to white guy player, right? Like Aaron Rodgers, it was one of my favorite football players that I've ever seen play. Until this year, because I saw like the the things that he said about vaccines, the misinformation that he's spread, the people that he's he's platformed and publicized, uh, drive. I, I think it's harmful, and I think it's a poor reflection of his character. And I can't root for him the same way, if at all. But when it comes to specifically to black athletes and issues of racial justice, issues of breaking the mold and the status quo that we have and people pushing back against that just know that if martin luther king jr was still alive and colin kaepernick did what he did martin luther king would have been supporting colin kaepernick through and through would have been right there with him that is lebron james makes impacts in a number of ways he would have been right there with him each and every step of the way if he wasn't assassinated for how unpopular he was and the views that he held and the difference that he was making back in the 1960s. And so if you're truly interested in King, there's so many great resources out there. Um, highly recommend reading all of his work. Uh, it has certainly changed immensely and shaped the way I view the world. Um, so rest in peace to Dr. Martin Luther King and may his legacy, his true legacy, live on forever. Enjoy the game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 